our dear blessed heavenly Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for all of us being able to come together. Help us, Lord, to learn your ways. Help us to learn through your word. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with us as we slowly learn your ways. We pray, Lord, that you'll be able to let, let your will shine through my foul language. Help us, Lord, learn. Just pray, Lord, that through all things your will be done. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the living Christ, we pray. Amen. For a joke to start off with, I'm amazed at the number of faces that I did not see last week. I was not here. <laughs> I was definitely amazed by the reading this morning. How do we learn things? We read a lot, we study a lot, and then we really learn by doing and redoing and getting up again and doing it again. And if you really want to learn, try teaching. You will learn things that you did not see before. Is that a joke to start with? Um, when I was first invited to speak about today's Torah section, I thought, yeah, I could speak to a group of people. Then I read through it and saw how much meat, strength, depth was in the Word. And I got to wondering, how can I cover that much material in an hour? Then I found out I don't have an hour more like a half. So um, if somebody would warn me when it's time for Bim Bomb. <laughs> the Torah section for today, if you have lost track, and for new visitors, I, you, it, yeah. It's uh, Numbers 20, 14, verse 14, through chapter 22, verse 1. On the Half Torah, it's the book of Obadiah. And uh, I could give you the, the page reference, 
but I don't think my Bible would match yours. So Obadiah is between Amos and Jonah. So if you need to look it up, that's that area. And the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament portion, is in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. I usually challenge people to take notes because I know I'm going to say things wrong. And I look forward to hearing your comments and your corrections. That falls back in, in my history to after discovering the Messianic service, I would attend the service on Friday night and the Torah study on Saturday and then I started teaching Sunday school. After I retired from Boeing, I moved down to Dallas, Texas, fell into that habit again, attending Messianic service on Saturday morning. Well, I guess it's sort of the same habit, but attending on Saturday morning, then going and and teaching Sunday school. After a short period, I had several weeks of teaching Sunday school, the preacher for Sunday asked if I could teach in Sunday school what he preached the week before. Boy, did I learn how to take notes. If you really want to learn and you start teaching, you don't need to be teaching in front of 400 people. It could be one-on-one. -on -one. It could be a loved one. Be patient. A little practice will make it easier. Or you will fall in the same uh, landmines again and again until you get practice. Looking at Numbers 20, I uh, started by wondering how this related to the version from Exodus and then in the Deuteronomy, how did they compare? I looked at the Exodus and I realized this was the story about the exit from Egypt and it ends with the building of the tabernacle. Numbers starts out just after that, talks about uh, sending the spies into the promised land, their report not being 
well accepted by the people in the, and the children of Israel. And 40 years got added to their travel time. Along the way, there were several other hiccups. Moses' sister, older sister, Miriam, the one that uh, watched him float down the river, she has passed away. So in Numbers 20, verses 14, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. So Moses sends messengers into the land of the uh, Edomites. Edom. Uh, could we uh, show the map? I know we have a, a new face or two up on the sound booth, so we will be enjoying the, the, the experience of new people. Uh, since the uh, characters are that we're looking at are to, to the south, okay, you can begin to see Edom. I'm not sure exactly where the uh, children of Israel were, but uh, they could have been further uh, due south, uh, east or west of the Red Sea. But Edom, the children of Edom, did not want Israel the children of Israel, to pass through their territory. So Moses took them on, a, on the scenic route that eventually passed by the Red Sea. I think that's uh, around uh, verse 23. But... Uh, if you look at or wonder, how does the tribe of, uh, of Edom relate to the children of Israel, you have to look back into Genesis when Edom was where Esau had his name changed after he uh, wanted uh, to, to sell his right as being the firstborn to his twin brother, Jacob, who eventually had his name changed to Israel. Does that help, help make any connections, or was anybody even... Okay. Uh, On the march 
from Edom, they went past the Red Sea, and in the process, they came across, or another king came across them and captured several of the children of Israel. And Moses asked the Lord for assistance and promised that he would wipe out a couple of the cities of that king. And that's where that portion of the story ends. So I have to assume that it worked out nicely. It worked out anyway. On the journey past the Red Sea, they went to Mount Hor, and Aaron, Moses' older brother, passes away. And he passes on the yoke of being the high priest to Aaron's son and Eliezer. Then we, of course, do, do the mourning and we continue north, north and west. I guess that's east, isn't it? North and east. And uh, if you can imagine, the people complain again. And in the process of complaining, they find some uh, red, uh, red serpents that uh, cause a few of the sons of Israel to die. And the Lord tells Moses to create a bronze image and put it on a staff. And to set the staff in front of the tabernacle. Unfortunately, people being silly as we are, Years later, it was realized that some people were worshiping the symbol rather than the Lord. So the symbol was destroyed years later. After playing with the, the snakes, We uh, go up to the bank of the river Arnon, where the Amorites, or the river, is used as a border symbol between the Amorites and the Moabites. I think most of us have heard both those names. But the king of the Amorites isn't he the guy that hired Balaam to cast a, a curse on the sons of Israel? Anyway, the children of Israel 
plunge through, uh, uh, wiping out several of the cities, capturing and all, and end up on the east side of the Jordan River, opposite the battle, the uh, city of Jericho. And that gets us through to chapter 22, verse 1. I was impressed with the book of, of Obadiah. It's one of those interesting books where if there's a reference to a verse from the book of Obadiah, they don't give the chapter, just the verse number. That's because there is only one chapter in Obadiah. Because Obadiah is short, does that make him a minor prophet? Thank you. <laughs> Just because a person is short or has few words doesn't necessarily mean they are insignificant, less important. But looking at the book of Obadiah, I was curious how it fits in time-wise with the rest of the Exodus, uh, Deuteronomy, at travels of Israel. Um, I was looking, excuse me, let me fall back a few feet. I have a problem reading especially reading aloud. So I read slowly, reading aloud, I stutter and stumble a lot. I was going to invite a, a volunteer to look at reading Obadiah, but, um, gee, I missed the clock. Um, I don't know where I am. Um, I was going to ask for a volunteer, like the tallest person in, in the congregation, but uh, uh, let me just start by reading the... Uh, Uh, reading one of the footnotes from my Bible, it says that Obadiah is a completely unknown. Apart from the meaning of his name, servant or worshiper of the Lord, the date of his prophecy 
is not certain. But, but uh, internal evidence seems best to point to about 585 B.C., the year after the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. Starting with that landmark, I need to caution you, be careful using footnotes. They're man-made. Some of them are right and good. Some of them miss a little bit. Shoot, I missed a whole lot. But looking at Obadiah, verses 1 through 5, it is forecasting um, the com vision of the coming doom of Edom. Haven't I heard that name before? In verses 2 and 3, it talks about you may be made small, but pride has deceived you. Need to be mighty careful if pride comes into our lives, because pride tends to cause us to misread think we can do things that we need to learn a tad bit more. Verses 6 through 21 talks about the coming destruction or the fall of Edom and it throws in a different name again that uh, is one of the many children of Edom. And it states that the day of the Lord is near. Isn't that also referenced in several other books, including the Revelation, that the day of the Lord is near. Since we are a few years after the writing of Obadiah, it's a lot nearer now than it was then. Jumping again to the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. Does anyone need to hear more about John 3.16? <laughs> I'm chuckling because I'm out of breath. John 3, 1 and 2 introduces us 
to a, a, a character by the name of Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, and I keep wanting to change that spelling to a prophecy, but he's not a prophet, he's a Pharisee. But he came to visit the Lord late at night. He must be a very busy man in the daytime if he couldn't come by the Lord in the daytime. So, it, reads, it brings up questions as to why he visits the Lord at that hour. It's interesting, after he introduces himself and asks a question, the Lord answers that he, a Jewish uh, prophet again, a uh, Pharisee, must be born again. And we receive the, the classic question, how can an old man be born again? One of those uh, interesting footnotes from a different source has, uh, has the line, the phrase, the new birth, the Jews always used it for Gentiles. Now it's being told by Yeshua to a Pharisee. I think a discussion of that could take a day or so. I have no idea how that can mingle in. I can think of a handful of excuses, reasons. Does that imply that the Jewish people at that time have picked up some uh, old uh, uh, patterns. Um, uh, golly. What is it uh, uh, from the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Tradition. Have the Jewish people at that time picked up some tradition that needs correction? I know every church I have visited, everyone, even of the same, quote, denomination, do things differently. So we do things differently. Are they done right? Personally, I think none of us do it right. However, 
the Lord is being worshipped. So, a lot of good is coming out of stumbling around. Some of us cannot dance, but even stumbling around, we can make a statement. Looking at John 3, verses 10 through 13, we get the expression of Yeshua talking, saying that if I explained, if I addressed things using earthly material, how can I really explain things by using heavenly terms. Patience, Lord, we will learn somehow. Reading through quickly, I see that in verses 14 and through 15, the Moses, I'm sorry, Yeshua is talking about the snake again. But this time, he's not talking about the brass image. He's talking about Moses, his staff, becoming a snake. So that takes it back a, a few years. And then, of course, we get into verses 16 through 21. And I surely thought I would, I would uh, have the kids back in by now. So we are reminded that evil hates the light and Yeshua, the Lord, and the Father are the light of the world. I do personally have a personal hiccup with uh, learning how to do things. Like I say, or have said, we can read a lot about different, doing different things. We can see videos. We can talk to people about it. But we learn when we start doing And we relearn, and we pick up our mistakes, and charge on. But if we really learn, we need to be teaching. 
So I was planning to end by asking the kids the nasty question, how are you teaching? Parents, adults, seniors, how and what are we teaching? Are we teaching by being quiet and letting things happen around us? Are we teaching by doing things, showing, telling people? No, I don't have an answer. Thank you, Bob.